Do you wish there was a place to reactivate your life and your faith? Sometimes it may feel like you're just going through the motions, and you may wonder if there is maybe more to life than this. Or maybe you know someone who has walked away from the church, who has been hurt by other Christians, or is simply looking for a safe place to explore faith in their search for life's meaning. Discover how to reactivate your faith, your purpose, your passion, your impact in the world, and your church. God doesn't want you to just go through the motions of life. He's got a plan to reactivate you. Morning, church. So, you ever been in those situations where you're actually seeing a conversation or a situation unfold and you're like, you're wondering, is anybody else noticing what I'm noticing? Like, somebody's saying something, they don't even realize what they're saying, and you're just waiting for the thing to unfold, or you're almost like, almost want to grab a chair out and grab a bag of popcorn and just start eating to see what's going to happen next. Or like, you see that dialogue that happens online, and you're watching those, you know, the, 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 the keyboard warriors are going in an argument, and you're like, I'm not even, I'm, the nice thing about, I guess, social media is you don't even have to pretend like you're in there, you're seeing that stuff, and you're literally grabbing a bag of popcorn, sitting at home, and watching this argument unfold. Well, sometimes it's, it's interesting because it's like, you know, people don't realize sometimes the things that come out of their mouth, that, that what they're saying. And the, the main verse that I want to share with you guys saying is one of those instances. And right before we get into it, just to kind of get a, a bit of a context, Jesus' ministry is starting to wind down. He knows that his death is coming. He literally, in the verses before we're about to read, he actually explains that he has to go to the cross and die. And it's what's interesting, because we get hindsight, right? We get to look back and go, oh my goodness, those disciples were all idiots. Like, wh- why couldn't they get it, right? And we get the 2,000 years of mulling over these scriptures, but they they were in the midst of what was going on. They were seeing all of these things that Jesus was doing and all the miracles, and they were really like, man, the revolution is coming, and we get to be a part of it. And so they don't even hear what Jesus is saying, that he goes to them and says, like, I need to die, right? Like, they're just like, ah, well, you know, like, I don't know what he's talking about, but whatever. Like, can we, can we just see what's going to happen next? And, and, and so that's kind of the context we're going on. And, and two of the disciples, they go to Jesus. And if we go to the slide, we're going to jump in here right away. And this is what they, they go to Jesus and they have a conversation with them. So get out your bag of popcorn for a second. And let's just imagine for yourself that you're a fly on the wall watching this conversation happen. And so then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come over and spoke to him and said, Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. Just wait for a second before you go to the next slide. We want you to do us a favor. Now, you ever go to this thing, it's like, hey, can I ask you a favor? You ever, you ever get in that situation, somebody asks you that, and you go, well, it depends what the favor is. Can you do something for me? Well, I ain't going to say yes, because I don't know if you're going to ask me to, like, you know, knock somebody off, or do something illegal, or, or just something that I'm just like, do not feel comfortable doing, or just don't want to do. And so it's like, they, they do that employee, right? They're just like, I'm, I'm going to see if I can get this person to, you know, dedicate to my request before I even ask a request. And this is what the disciples do. Teacher. So they're like, hey. It's like your kids come to you. are like, dad. What? <laughs> right? They're trying to use that term of endearment. They're trying to, trying to soften them up a little bit. We want you to do us a favor. And so they continue on. The next slide. It says, what is your request? So even Jesus is saying, I ain't giving you an answer yet. I've been, you know, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I've created everything. You ain't pulling the wool over my eyes. 
So he says, what is your request? He asked, they, re- sorry, he asked, they replied, when you sit on your glorious throne. Now, again, at this point, they're thinking like, you know, earthly throne, right? Like, they don't realize that Jesus is talking about him. He says, I have to die. I'm going to my throne. I'm going to my glory. They don't fully grasp that yet. So, so when you sit in your glorious throne, we want to sit in the honor next to you. So what basically James and John are saying is one of us sits on the right and the other one sits on the left, right? So one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering? So what he's talking about is like, are you ready to die for this? Like, I'm ready to die for what, what's going to happen here. Are you ready to go as far as going right to the grave, right to death? Like, you're going to abandon everything and everything that's there. Because a lot of these guys are, you know, were businessmen. And in, in the ancient world, they were able to just, like, leave their business, go on. It was still going on, right? They were able to say, I'm going to take a smile. I'm going to go with these things. My business is fine. I've got workers that are going on there. Literally after Jesus dies, Peter goes back and goes back to fishing. All his boats and everything is still there. They're still testing the waters to see how all this is going to pan out. And so Jesus pushes these guys and says, do you really understand what you're asking? Are you able to go all in? Are you able to jump right into the deep end on this or not? So before he can even answer, but Jesus said to them, you don't know, sorry, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering? I must be baptized. Can you imagine getting that? And just going, are you, are you able, like, you imagine the baptismal tank where we're saying, like, we're going to electrify the water, or the water is so hot, or the opposite, so cold. The baptism of suffering. Like, they don't understand what he's saying in this moment. So Jesus continues, and I think he knows this. And he says next, oh, yes, they replied, we are able. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from the bitter cup. So he knows that once he's gone, that these guys are going to be on fire. But in that moment, he's like, And you will be baptized in the baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on the right or on the left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Here's what I want us to notice, though, in this last part of the verse. When when the ten other disciples heard what James and John were asking, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world, the lords, lords over the people, And the officials flaunt their authority over and under them. And then this is the point. Go to the last slide. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be the first among you must also, must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, what Jesus did here in this verse, and we look at this, He's he's juxtaposing these two ideas, right? To be a leader looks like this in their perspective. It's the kings, it's the rulers. There was this whole class system that was going on. And Jesus says, I've come to flip the script. I've come to flip the script. That there was meant to be this whole entire abundance of love and serving and one another. If you were to do a word study in even just the New Testament, and look up one another's and see all of these things about how us as community are meant to serve one another, love one another, sacrifice for one another. All of these different ideas. This is what the disciples, the church got after Jesus died, rose, and then ascended. So once he is on his throne, James and John were just like, we don't want to be there. We're already a part of what's going on. And so what Jesus is, he's flipping the script He's saying, you know, to be a leader, to be somebody who's impactful, to be somebody who's influential, isn't 
about sitting on a throne. It's about serving others. To be impactful, influential, is about flipping the script and saying, if you want to be first, you need to be last. If you want to be first, you need to first serve. And Jesus marks this so beautifully in the Last Supper. See, they're talking about sitting on thrones, and Jesus says, in my kingdom, this is what it looks like. And he gets down on a knee, gets a, gets a towel, gets out a basin, and starts washing feet. And what's crazy about that imagery is that, you know, like, these guys in, in the ancient world, they, wore, they just wore sandals, right? Like, there was no shoes, there was no work boots, there was no steel toe, there was none of that stuff. And they would walk everywhere, in the dust, in the mud, in the whatever deposits that animals would leave around. And so to wash feet was one of the lowliest. It would be basically like, you know, okay, when, when the toilet backs up in your house and the poor soul that has to deal with it and there's still stuff inside of it, like that's the one job that nobody wants to do. And this is what the same idea that was happening with washing feet because there was literally so much crap, literally and figuratively, on people's feet. And so Jesus brings them and says, you need to wash your feet. And Peter says, you can't do that. You're our master. He says, you still don't get it. You still don't get it. I've come to serve. I'm flipping the script. If you want to see change, you need to lay down your life. You need to be a slave. You need to be a servant. You need to think of others greater than yourselves, Paul says in Philippians. And so then Peter says, if you want to be part of my movement, if you want to be part of my kingdom, you must be washed. And then Peter goes, then wash my whole body. Like, he was just like, I'm, Peter's one of those guys that, like, acted, then thought. Like, if you read through the, the New Testament, you watch Peter. He's the first one out of the boat. He's the first one to talk. He even rebukes Jesus in one moment. And Jesus goes to him, Satan, you deceiver, get behind me. Like, Peter is that. I'm, gonna, and I'm, I'm going in all head and long, and then it would be for better or for worse. But if we go to that, back to that last slide in this verse... So among you, it will be different. It will be different. When we look at all the standards that are going on in the world, all the different things, all the stuff that looks like fame and success, that Jesus is saying, you want to be able to have that impact? There is this, talks about this idea of like um, putting yeast into a a, a loaf, there's a, a mustard seed that grows. There's always these ideas of the kingdom, these small little things that grow into a giant impact, small shifts. Small attitudes, small, you know, suspicious ideas that go in. And this is true even inside of innovation. There are small tweaks in innovation and ideas. Ideas are powerful because when they start, they can be something that can change into an entire movement. And so Jesus isn't just talking about being quiet or being somebody that does nothing, but he's talking about a posture here. It's not about saying that I can't look for a promotion. He's not talking about the saying that I can't build a business, that I can't be successful. That is none of the things he's saying here. It's all a matter of heart. What is the position that I'm going to take? And in that position, like a mustard seed, can grow into a giant tree that will take over the world. See, we don't always need to dream big to have an impact in the world. We don't always need to dream big to have an impact in the world. Let me share a couple names with you. Jeff Manwarn, Jason Alfred. So if I say those names, who knows any of those? Who in this room knows J, uh, Jeff Manwarn or Jason Alfred? If you did, that would have been awesome because I would have been like, man, we've got a connection here. Okay, there are some people in my family. <laughs> 
You don't know that name, but I do. I, I, could, have, I could have added some names to that list. But these two guys, especially in my life, are the reason why I'm standing here today. I actually got to have uh, brunch with Jeff. He's uh, part of the, uh, the, he was a pastor of a small country church in northern Alberta that was part of the church that I was saved in. And his quiet pastoral demeanor and love and care for his people brought this community together that when our family was going through the hardest time of our lives, became this support around us. And because of that support and love and care and mentoring and feeding into is a huge reason of why I am who I am today. That I am standing here and then I can even say that I am a follower of Jesus because of a guy like Jeff Manwarn. Or a guy like Jason Alfred who was a youth leader when I was a troubled kid. A kid who was angry, a kid who was destructive, a kid who was confused, a kid who was dealing with a lot of issues. Jason was simply there and loving on me. I rem- the things that I remember aren't even, you know, the impact of the, the conversations we had. It was the, the car rides, going to McDonald's and hanging out and having conversations. The impact of what being present is in somebody's life it's so impactful. Now, I could look and saying, well, nobody knows who Jeff and Jason are. When it comes in the history books, there will be no chapters ever written about Jeff and Jason. But they're the world to me. See, they could dream small because they're realizing it's in one person's life. It's in serving and loving somebody else. It's in the moment of coming down and being a part of what God is doing in the way that you've been gifted, like we talked about last Sunday, that real life change and impact can happen. You don't have to be thinking that I need to be a multi-millionaire, that I need to be um, some well-known person to be able to have influence in the world. Maybe you sit here and think, what can I really do? Maybe you and yourself feel that you can't change the big global issues that are going on, but you can be a change, a global change in individual lives. And let me even push a little bit further on that. Don't think for one second that you as an individual cannot have global impact, especially when we're doing what God has called us to do, like we talked about last Sunday, and collectively as that orchestra, as an individual doing our part, we might be having an impact in individuals, but as a collective, we can have a global impact. Let me say one other name. Actually, two. Mordecai Ham and Albert McCain. Now, I don't know who these guys are. I've never met them. Actually, I think they're probably dead at this point. But Mordecai Ham was a revivalist that Billy Graham was brought to, and he was stricken in faith And because of that encounter, started a watershed, started a domino effect that in Billy Graham's life, that he was able to impact hundreds of thousands of people. Because Mordecai was faithful, Mordecai was faithful in what God was doing to go to this one particular place, to start a tent revival, and Billy Graham as a young man showed up and his life was changed forever. There's another name in here too, Albert McCain. Albert McCain was a worker in Billy Graham's father's business. And Albert had gone to the, because these, revi- these tent revivals, how they work is they would go like night after night after night after night, and people would come, and they would, they would experience and hear the message. And Albert McCain was the one who prompted Billy Graham to come to this revival. If Albert would have never said to Billy, you should come hear this guy, I don't even know if Albert even heard him first. I don't even know the full details of the story, but he says, Billy, let's go to this tent meeting. 
He was the one that invited him. Because Albert was faithful in listening to what God was prompting his heart to invite Billy to come hear Mordecai. Mordecai delivered this message that stricken Billy's heart that he started on this journey. He went to Bible college. He got a degree. He started pastoring. He listened to his call. He started becoming an evangelist. And he's one of the most well-renowned evangelists of the world. But that would have never happened if guys like Mordecai or Albert were not faithful in the small and the little that God had given them. Think again about last Sunday, about the talents. If you're faithful to little, God will give you much. And so you don't need to only just thinking about big, about thinking big in the sense of global, but you can also dream small. What is the one thing that God has put before me? Because don't underestimate what those actions and the catalyst that will be in your life, in this church, in this city, in this world. If you've been holding back because you're thinking, what can I do? You're never going to know unless God asks you to do that. Last week I talked about praying for a couple at our prayer retreat. And I had this inclination in my heart that I, I needed to pray for this person. But like I said, they were a couple of a pretty big church. And I was thinking to myself, she had a concussion if you weren't here last Sunday. And I was thinking to myself, man, there must have been like two, three dozen people that have already prayed for her. And she maybe hasn't received that healing. And I'm just going to be exasperating the sin. That's what's going on in my mind. But I have this sense in my heart. And you have this tendency to talk yourself out of what God's trying to prompt you in your heart. And it was actually our youth pastor. I was talking to our team, and it was actually our youth pastor, Darian, who just said to me, he's like, what do you have to lose? Like, what do you have to lose? And I was like, yeah, you're right. I just want to make sure that I'm not imposing. And then I asked them to discern, and I didn't even get an answer from them. I was just, I saw them there, and I saw her husband. I went, I just felt, I need to ask him the question. Hey, this is what's on my heart. Do you think this is a good idea? I don't know if you guys have been prayed for. And he said to me that nobody's prayed for her yet. And I was like, what? Because he's like, it's a concussion. It'll get healed, right? There's just those things that I, but I felt prompting. And God was doing something. And then she was healed because I was willing to take a step. And because of that, what she was struggling with was there was this healing um, service that we were happening in that night. And she wanted to minister to her team, but she couldn't. And literally, when I went to go talk to her husband and take, in that moment, if I was not faithful, in that moment, I sat down and asked Daniel, because I just saw him a couple days ago and he clarified this to me. I sat down with him and I asked him that question. What he found out later was that his wife was coming out of the washroom and was about to come to him and say, I'm going to go to my room. Like, I can't bear to be a part of this service. Can't see, can't hear, can't partake in it. So I'm just going to go to my room. She wouldn't have been able to experience healing. She wouldn't have been able to experience the freedom to, to minister to others. And other people wouldn't have been impacted if I wasn't willing to be faithful in that moment. And it's not because I'm a pastor. It's not because I'm, uh, you know, further along in my faith or any of these things. It's just because as a child of God, as a representative, as a servant who is following Jesus, listening to the prompting that you never know what's going to happen. But I was just like, I'm going to humble myself in this situation and just say, God, what do you want to do in this? So your name may never go in down in history into the history books, but because of you, somebody's life will be impacted. The movement of God will move forward. You know, I was chatting with uh, somebody on our prayer team, but also leads what we call Hooks and Needles. I always think it's funny because it's like, is that a knitting group or is that a tattoo group? I'm not sure. <laughs> but it's our, it's, they do knitting and crocheting. And one of the things they've been doing is they've been making these slippers for our young offenders. 
And uh, she was asking, like, we want to start praying over them, and we want to know how we're going to do this, and started wanting me to mull over it. And I was thinking to myself, like, what a simple thing. You think to yourself, they're just slippers. But it's not. It's not just slippers. Just the act of itself of somebody thinking about them as they receive these slippers, and they go, somebody's thinking about me. But they've also been soaked in prayer for these young, these youth, for whatever reason, down on their luck, bad decisions, given a bad hand, whatever their story is, no judgment, just that they are in jail as a teenager. And you have a group of people that are saying, not only are we thinking about them, not only are we, are we making these slippers for them, but we are soaking in prayer for them that God would do something. See, they're dreaming small. They can have this huge impact. Look at our ministries. I just talked about my life because of guys like Jeff and Jason, our youth ministry. I did this training thing with our youth ministry years ago called Lead Small. We can think sometimes we want to have the big crowd, but the impact is having and discipling the few. Just the, the impact, what it is of consistency. I've been in this game long enough and, have been, and hadn't been in youth ministry long enough to know that that consistency of showing up week in and week out and investing in these students, they don't realize it yet, some of these youth leaders. Again, I, I, I've been on this two-decade side of, of seeing of impacting lives that some of these guys that I did in a small group as a youth leader, not as a pastor, as a youth leader, are still calling me for celebrations, for prayers, for moments, for things. I'm the guy that they're thinking about because of the impact of just being there, of just sticking it out with them. So we can think small. Our, our kids' ministry, I talked about that last week. Our hospitality is something that we talk about when we do prayer before our services. That, you know, the message starts in the parking lot. But as people come, think about it like this. There are people, like we're, we're in, a, we're in a, a culture now that for people that come to church would be like you going to a mosque. Maybe you've never thought about that. But for a lot of people who have zero or a negative view of church, the idea of going to church is, is petrifying because if, and you think, well, whatever, church is normal, but ask yourself if somebody invited you to go to a mosque or if you just decided to show up, you're just like, am I even allowed? Like, we get this. Can I come to church? Are we, are, like, they think it's a closed system. This is why invitation is so important. And you think to yourself, like, what would I do? Am I going to do the wrong thing? Am I going to offend? Am I supposed to stand? Am I supposed to sit? These are the things that are going in mind. So what happens is with our, like, our hospitality team, before they, they enter those doors and they interact with people, like 10, 20, 30 minutes before the message ever happens, before they even hear a worship song, they're interacting with people that are living out this message. And so the message starts in the parking lot. The impact of a smile and a handshake and helping somebody to know where to go to kid check and being helpful and being welcoming over and over and over again. We hear people saying, when I come into here, I, found, I was welcomed and it was like I came home. Now, that's all par and partial. It's the message. It's the worship. But it's you guys. It's the impact that you have in people's lives. Now, I'm just going to take a little second here that I want to challenge you guys this morning. At the end of the service, as you walked in, you might have noticed that there was a camera set out, out in the foyer, and there's some tape, and you're all like, am I allowed to walk? Is there going to be a trap door? Like, 
We're going to be filming people's stories, and, and, and I know there are stories out there, even if we've already heard it, and especially if we haven't. This is what we're asking. All you need is one or two sentences. This is it. This is it. Just um, because of Gateway, or, you know, um, I experienced this, or, you know, God impacted me like this through the ministry of Gateway. So it could be like, it could be just simply like, I found my home. I found freedom. I was healed. I was baptized. I experienced God's love for the first time. I felt like I was accepted for the first time ever. That's it. Simple sentence. No explanation. If you've been a part of our baptism service where we've had those cards where the one word, the impact of what two words can be of the negative to the positive. And we want to put this collage together to just kind of share next week about the impact of what God has done in our midst as a church because of what he's doing here. And so make sure, like I said, just two sentences. We need some of you to do this. I want, if anything, I want all of you to do it. Just to walk over that camera. Alec will be over there. He's just going to give you a quick mic. And all you're going to say is, you know, because of the ministry of Gateway, God impacts me like this. Or because I experience God's love like this. Whatever that, that sentence or two sentences. And Alec will coach you. It'll be quick and painless. But I need you guys to go out and do that. So our actions are part of a bigger orchestra of impacting the world. Okay, so when we think about these small things, think about the part we're doing. Look what it says in Galatians. It is absolutely clear that God, sorry, let's go to the set. It's absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. First and foremost, because of this message, you are free. You're called to a free life. No more bondage. No more judgment. No more rules and just living into the ABCs, but you were living free life. So just make sure you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy that freedom. So it's like there's that anarchy and legalism. So you're free to live a life, but make sure that how you're living isn't going to destroy the freedom that you got. But notice what Paul says here. I've always focused on that part of like that living of freedom and all those things, but it's crazy what Paul says here. He says, Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. If you want to live a life that God is calling in you, so he's saying, look, we want you to live a free life. You want that freedom in life? You want to go to that next level in your life? You want to go to that breakthrough in your life? And he says, don't destroy your freedom. What the solution to that is? Serve. Use how God has wired you. Serve one another. Because the thing is, is that you can't if you are in the midst of serving, if you are thinking of other people, if you are doing what God has wired you to do, You are not in a place to be distracted to fall and destroy that freedom. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. This is how your life grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in one single sentence. This is crazy. This is insane. The entire Bible, everything that God is saying can be summed up in one sentence. If you wanted to know what it is all about, this is what Paul says. Love others as you love yourself. Jesus says there are two great commandments. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body, and love others as you would love yourself. Love. One commandment. That is it. The Ten Commandments absorb into one idea. Love one another. Love one another. And that fuel to do that comes from the love of God. That's it. All you got to think about, the whole entire paradigm, the frames, the lens, everything you go through is love one another. And this, I love how Paul ends this. That's an act of true freedom. You want true freedom in your life? You want breakthrough in your life? 
You want to have an impact in the world, in your life, and others? Love one another. See, the greatest impact we can have in others is to live this mission out in action. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 19. And Paul says, again, this is Paul. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into God's saved life. I will do anything, any situation, whatever it takes that I can save some, he says. To the Greek, I've been like a Greek, to an unbeliever, and I'm an unbeliever. Now, of course, there's limits to this. It doesn't mean that, you know, you got friends that are taking ecstasy or LSD. It doesn't mean that you're going, like, obviously. But what he's saying is, is that I will come to their level. This is the most amazing thing that I've ever seen. Just leave the slide for a second. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Is when somebody is lowlier, if it's a kid, if it's somebody in a wheelchair, if it's whatever the case is is watching somebody do this. It seems like the simplest of action, but to come down to somebody's level, not out of a sense that they're lowlier, but in respect and in love and in servitude of that person because you want to lift them up. And so to do whatever it takes that it might save life, I did this because of the message, because of what's been in my life. I just didn't want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Do you want to be in on it, or we want to just sit around and talk about God's love, talk about God's impact, or do you want to be a part of what is going on? Not only does living this out impact others, but it also grows us to a whole new level. When Martin started this series, I'm sure I'm going to misquote him in this because I didn't go back through and double-check everywhere, but that's okay. This is the gist of what he said. If we bring up Martin's quote, to grow in our faith, we need to break through our thresholds, the things, our comfort zones, the areas that we think our limitations are, the limitations we put on ourselves. To break through that, one of the ways in doing that is in serving and loving one another. And so let me let's end with this thought. And I want to unpack some options here. This is why we offer opportunities to serve, to invite, and to give through action. You can grow past your own limitations of faith. So reactivate your faith. Discover your gifts, reactivate your faith, your, your, your gifts, and impact the world around you. Let's just leave the slide for a second. This is the reason why we want to give you opportunities to invite, to give, and to serve. This is why we talk about these things, because we know that it's through being on mission that both you are going to see an impact in the things that you want to see, but also that you'll be able to grow in your faith, to go through those breakthroughs through your gifts. So let me give you a couple quick things. First thing is this, is serving. If you are not on a team yet, if you've been sitting here, whatever your reason is, Here's the simple step I want you to do. At the end of this service, Pastor Lauren is going to come back out. She's going to close the service. And then she's going to meet over here and she's going to do a gateway tour. If you are not on a team yet, and this message has resonated with you, all I'm asking you to do is to go on that tour. That's it. Listen to the stuff that's happening on in the teams. Get a backstage pass what's going on. And as God is resonating in your heart, sign up for something. And here's the other thing. By signing up, you're not signing up in blood. You're not going to be there for it. You're test driving, okay? You're taking a step and seeing what God might do, and you start to navigate those ideas. But that is it. 
this is resonating with you, what I want you to do is this, is to meet Pastor Lauren at the end of the service and go on that tour and pray that God will show you an area that you could take a step. Because this is one of the reasons why serving is because of the message. What we talked about, that the message starts in the parking lot. It's an impacting of lives. But here's the thing, it's also for you. It's for you to grow, to go past your limits, to find that breakthrough. And so whatever's holding you back, just cast it aside. Because if you go on that tour, that doesn't mean anything. You can still back out. I hope you don't. But all you're doing, you're saying, I want to see what's going on in the church. The other thing is this. Um, I was thinking about this. Um, We have, you know, the generosity of people. One of the areas we do is our benevolence fund. This is the areas that we can impact people's lives. And I was praying about it. I was thinking to myself, I got this crazy idea. You know, you guys are out living your lives. Maybe you've got a dream that you would love to be able to do in your neighborhood, in your schools, in your work, and whatever it is. And you're like, I'm not sure where to start. I'm not sure where the, you know, where the funding is going to come, things like that. What I want you to do is that out on the info desk, after you go through the gateway tour, because you're actually going to end up there, you can put your name down. If you've got this crazy idea and you're not sure how to start, or, or maybe we just need, like, here's what I want to do. I want to put some of that benevolent funds, and I want to put some seed money into the dreams of that God is putting in your heart and these crazy ideas that we can see as you guys are out in the community that there could be a real impact. It could be as simple as a feeding program. It could be a block party. It could be whatever it is. You can dream small and it can have a big impact. And if you think about it later and even after this Sunday, just email me. I'd love to hear your ideas. We want to invest some ideas and some innovative ideas. So that's serve, those two areas, Gateway Tour, some innovative ideas for four Edmonton ideas. That's what the sign-up sheet is. The second is this, is invitation. If it wasn't for, I can't remember his name. See, Albert McCain. If it wasn't for Albert McCain, Billy Graham would have never showed up to that tent meeting. He would never have that impact, and maybe we wouldn't have the Billy Graham Association today. The power that you have, because people are terrified of new things and coming into church, the impact that you have of building bridges, of helping a person experience the love of God, maybe even for the first time, to find true acceptance, maybe for the first time, is in you. We've got a new message series starting in Advent. We're not sending out invite cards. I just want to challenge you guys that this is an opportunity to see the hope and the love and the light and the generosity of God. And of course, we've got our Christmas Eve service coming up to be right now thinking about who you can be inviting for that. And the last one is this, is to give. Don't underestimate what your giving of your finances is going to do in your life and the lives of others. Giving regularly and supporting the mission of what's going on here at Gateway because it's in that place that things like this can happen. Things like our benevolent fund that we can see and see impacting things. Things of our partnerships with Fort Edmonton can happen and grow through your giving that the ongoing ministry of Gateway can keep happening by your regular giving. And you're going to see at the end of the service that Laura comes down, there's going to be these options. Go to give.ac. And I, I challenge you to set up reoccurring giving because then you know that your impact will happen week in and week out. The second is this. that so we saw it earlier if you were in the service, but if you didn't, the Ron McDonald starting next week. If you're thinking, what's a small step I can do? You can have an impact by buying a present for a child who needs some love needs some love. And so we're doing this toy drive again, all ages, 
Next Sunday, you can bring those toys to the info desk. And after that, we're going to have trees set up in the foyer. And we're going to show the blessing that God is going to have an impact in these families coming to Edmonton with all these presents under the trees. And so make sure you do that. And lastly is this. Lastly is this. It's Vision Sunday is next Sunday. Vision Sunday is next Sunday. And we've been chatting with Martin and He's been sick still and he's been tuned and traveling and still sick and we're praying because he has got something to share with you guys next week. And we've got some things to celebrate. But it's also going to be, I think, a turning point for this church. Like truly a turning point for this church. But it's going to involve you guys. And one of those areas is going to be where God is leading you in becoming a driver, an owner in this church, but also in that vision offering because it could be the thing that could just launch us into the next level to be able to say we can accomplish these things and have freedom and openness to be able to say now we are we've been given permission because of you guys being behind it to do what we really feel like God is trying to do with no restrictions opening up the ceiling because of your guys' sacrificial giving and serving so be thinking and praying about that next week what is God asking me to give okay so don't forget, for your step today, when Lauren comes out, you don't want to make Lauren cry, okay? Like, she's pregnant. We don't, we don't want to hurt her feelings. So you're coming to this Gateway Tour, all right? That's your first step. I want you guys to stand up. I'm going to pray for you guys. I believe that every single one of you is a part of this mission. Every single one of you is gifted. And whatever is stopping you from taking that faith, that step, and we're going to break that off right now. Holy Spirit, that you would, you're in this place, that you would come upon every single one of us. Take a posture of receiving right now, whatever that looks like for you. Holy Spirit, that you would come upon your people, that you would anoint them, that you would commission them, that you would reveal to them, that you would break off chains, that you would knock down walls, that you would open doors or windows that people have to crawl through, that you give a tenacity and a persistence and a courage to be able to serve, to invite and to give, to realize that you are an abundant God, that you are a blessing God, that you are a God that gives us gifts and skills that every single one of us is a part of this mission. And even if there are people in this room, I pray right now, in the name of Jesus, if there are lies and bondages that are stopping people from walking in the calling that they have in their life, that those would be broken off right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Now walk in freedom and walk that free life that we can walk in love and service of other people and see a true breakthrough in our lives. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said...